it was very very dark tunnel where i could see no light at all no matter wherever i went it was a dead end so i would go there with a the hope like probably today somebody will hear my plea hear my daughter's plight and then i would get some kind of help but then that would be a dead end Hello, I'm Andy Clark, and in this edition of the What's Best for Children's Nationality podcast, we look at Nepal and how activists are using street protests, education and awareness raising to tackle childhood statelessness. Um, namaste, my name is Dipti Gurung and I come from a, a Himalayan country called Nepal. And here I am an activist, and especially I work for um equality in children's citizenship through mothers and this is totally a voluntary work so this is how uh, i've dedicated my life here when they were drafting the constitution we did several of the protests were like you know whistle rallies and then we did a uh, human chain and we did hunger strikes so we did all sorts of things so that uh, you know more and more people um their attention would be grabbed so what sort of problems does childhood statelessness cause in nepal the citizenship you know is related with birth registration as well so the children who are having a problem of registering birth or uh, having any any legal identity of their birth will definitely have problem in registering their for for citizenship later on so that is when the the first hitch comes at the at the age like you know uh, around let, let's say um, 12 years 12 to 13 years old maybe when the child is in grade 8 you have to sit for a district level examination that's when you have to show the birth registration for everything you need cert- citizenship certificate after that and then later on like you know the child might want to have mobile or sim card a driving license or bank account anything that you can think of as a human being like you know everything comes to halt for a child who is stateless the fact that women cannot pass on nationality is a major factor when it comes to childhood statelessness it's a problem affecting more countries around the world Today there are 25 countries that have nationality laws that deny women the same right as men to pass their nationality to their children. There are roughly 50 countries that have some form of gender discrimination in their nationality laws, including denying women the equal right to pass their nationality to a foreign spouse and even in some instances the equal right to acquire, change and retain their own citizenship. um in terms of the ways in which um this can cause statelessness in fact gender discrimination in nationality laws is one of the primary root causes of statelessness uh, globally my name is katherine harrington i'm the campaign manager of the global campaign for equal nationality rights which is a coalition of national and international organizations and un partner agencies working to end gender discrimination in nationality laws So as Catherine says gender discrimination is a big part of the problem when it comes to childhood statelessness. The bottom line is when women are denied the same right as men to pass nationality to their children, um we know that there are many stateless children worldwide because of this. And this is happening not just in Asia but also parts of the Middle East and the Caribbean too. 
This was one of the grand challenges debated at the World Conference on Statelessness, organised by the Institute on Statelessness and Inclusion in The Hague in the summer of 2019. At the same time, Nepali society is deeply patriarchal. Our society strongly feels that the child, our children, is only born, the only contribution to, to make a children a child is from a father's sperm. Mother is just a vessel. Mother is only carrying a baby. Mother has no role at all. It is actually the... That is what their feel is. The whole DNA, the whole every, the bloodline, everything is to be counted only from men only and not from the women. And it has been going on from generations to generation. No women have been officially registered in any you know, important document so far. So even today, I was... I was laughing the other day because uh, when I went to fill out my bank form, they asked uh, the, in a form, even today, they say like, you know, they want to know officially my father's name, my grandfather's name and my great grandfather's name. But nowhere is written my mother's name or my grandmother's name or my great grandmother's name there. So, you know, it is like that. Deepti has first-hand experience of this problem. As a single mother, she had two daughters who were stateless. So uh, it was a horrible situation for us. Like, you know, we went from offices to offices. We were, we went everywhere, every possible places, every possible people. I joined my hands. and Because I was just a simple, you know, um, regular mother. I had no idea. I was scared then. I used to be very, very scared of the... High officials. The experience of fighting for her daughter's nationality affected her deeply. The the high official he even said, uh, "If you are so wanting a citizenship for your daughters, uh, you should have kept your man happy in your life, and you should have been with your man." And uh, so that makes you a virgin mother, because officially you're still your your marriage is not registered anything as such. So you're a virgin Mary, huh? So I was mocked that way in a, in a room filled with so many people. And that brought a lot of tears in my eyes. And it was a very, very humiliating mo- moment. So it was kind of like it was very, very dark tunnel where I could see no light at all. No matter wherever I went, it was a dead end. So I would go there with a the hope, like probably today somebody will hear my plea hear my daughter's plight and then I would get some kind of help but then that would be a dead end. For her daughter Neha it was a rude awakening. She'd never been treated differently at school until the point where she had to prove nationality. That's when the humiliation began. When me and my sister were at school our mother and even our school teachers never made us feel different or discriminated. And unlike for my sister and even for uh, newer generations today, uh, schools back then, when I studied school, at, at least the schools did not make it compulsory to have a birth registration to get a child enrolled. So my mother did not find difficulty when she first enrolled me in a school, in a primary school. But I remember once when I had to fill in the form for grade 10. That is, um, we have to give... Um, 
school living uh, school national level school living certificate examination and at that time when i had to fill the form the government had made compulsory to fill the fill the form so there was only father's name and no mother's name mo uh, no space for mother's name so i innocently as a kid went up to the teacher and then in front of the classroom and asked if i could fill in my mother's name instead of the father's name so my teacher she said that in a in, in quite a loud voice she said what kind of a child does not know her father's name so i said i'll talk to my mom and then fill the space tomorrow my mom had to talk to the principal and to the administration and then only finally my form got approved that was the first time um it hit me that um the state and the laws connects my identity to the father the one who never took any responsibility towards us whereas for us uh, for me and my sister nikita our mother has been the source of our belongingness and even identity and the one who to, taught us to be a sincere citizen and after that when um, the times when the time when i realized that i um, i was a stateless or me and my sister were a victim of stateless was when we were denied of citizenship ship certificate from different government offices and i had to drop my dream of pursuing a career in medicine i knew that i knew then that no citizen having no citizenship of any country is being stateless so that was the times when i realized that i was i was a stateless person it was a bitter blow when neha's dreams of becoming a doctor were thwarted when i realized that i was stateless and the government does not recognize my identity just because we were raised by a single mother it really felt bad and then it 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 really felt um i really felt discriminated and i really felt like the laws of our country was barring us from all the opportunities and clo closing all the doors and i could not pursue anything so i felt like a prisoner inside my own country fired up by the experience of her daughter's deep tea starts a facebook page called in the name of mother this is the first step in her campaign to push for equal rights for women when it comes to being able to pass on nationality at first things are far from easy people would see us like an alien when we spoke the right to pass on citizenship through mothers to their children it was like you know is it even possible what are you talking about kind of question from very educated women also even from the member of parliaments also we got so many like backlashes despite continuing backlashes and accusations she's even undermining nepal and acting as an agent for foreign powers deepthi continues and her activism grows the citizenship for affected people's network is born and the street protests begin you know um we came up with various uh, innovative ideas you know uh, uh, normally protest mainly means like for people it's just like going up in the street and just uh, chanting slogans with the black placards and stuff like that but with our every most of the uh, protest have been very very creative and innovative we went on to do um sleep in the street protest during the constitution when they were drafting the constitution we did several of the protests were like you know whistle rallies and then we did uh, human chain and we did hunger strikes 
so we did all sorts of things so that uh, you know more and more people um, their attention would be grabbed so why use this tactic of taking to the streets their lawmakers their uh, policy makers uh, who are lobbying within the parliament who are lobbying um, um they're they're doing it uh, through uh, their journalism and so many things so on and so so on and so forth but in a physical form people haven't seen the real victims or the people who are who are really demanding for the equality at all because everything was happening either in a virtual world or in just in a you know um what do you call um just in a, a closed door sessions but rest of the people were fed with so much of lies rest of the people meaning like rest of the, uh, nepali like all over nepal or and abroad so when we did when we started this street protest people actually physically started coming in joining us talk to us they wanted to know more and more and they as they were becoming aware more and more people joined in and people and the government had to see this uh, huge size of the people because physically it means a lot when you see the, you know virtual in virtual world there's lot of noise one person can become four different account holders but when a physical number of group of people when they all are in street up in arms then governments can really see the real force behind that Deepthi says the highly visible demonstrations are key to challenging entrenched ways of thinking in a male-dominated society like Nepal. When we wanted to arrive, when we wanted to collect 1,000 signatures, there were something like 5,000 signatures. You know, when we wanted to do 2,000 writing, there were something like 8,000 signatures we collected. So there were people who were really there. I'm. I was really, really. It was an eye-opening for me. Like not. everything that in the media is show showcasing or you know the the handful of so called patriarch uh, mindset people are you know blabbering that's not the whole nepal because the voice from every corner of nepal were coming in they were saying like we support your campaign so after collecting all these signatures we take took the signatures compiled the signatures and we took them to the the prime minister and the uh, president of nepal we showed them see this many people have supported our cause and our cause is genuine so this is how we did it as well as the street protests deepthi and her fellow activists now also going to schools to talk about the devastating effects of childhood statelessness and the role that gender discrimination plays when i started this whole campaign i was really angry and i was really dissatisfied with the government officials those men with big mustache up there you know like you know all the time i was raged and i was angered and then i suddenly realized who are these people these people once upon a time they were children they were kids they were raised by this society you know and i it is difficult for me to change their mindset because they are like you know all matured and grown up their mindset is like so not do not change me kind of mindset but then i thought like no this little kids you know if they really know the true meaning of real gender equality these children you know they don't have any biasness against anybody else they love their mother and father equally both they just don't go for the father and then they discard their mother they don't do that so 
I thought this is the right age. I think I should approach to them because tomorrow they are the ones who's going to be on that seat, who are going to be the change makers. If not today, tomorrow there definitely is a blue sky for sure. So that's why I went for the school children. Yes. So what about the impact of Deepti's activism so far? One of her biggest successes came during the drafting of the new constitution in the country. She demanded that a provision should be included saying a father or a mother can pass on citizenship. The original draft stated that this could only be father and mother together. I went and attended something like four or five camps myself with a huge bag, backpack of so much of brochures and everything. I even had to climb up the hill to reach up to the feedback camps and stuff. We reached every possible feedback camps, and that's where I snatched the. In some places, I literally had to snatch the mic, and then scream at the top of my voice and all these kind of things, to demand, you know, father or mother. And after that, we had this huge rally against this, like father and mother provision, huge, huge rally. And right after that, when the constitution came finally, we were able to. Uh, ensure that the constitution comes with father or mother now in today's constitution a new constitution the provision is that uh, the father or mother can give a citizenship to their children there are other clauses which has uh, which still needs more tuning more uh, uh, amendment in future but so far we have been able to acquire that number 2 there is one provision which says like you know single mothers especially they've quoted that they've put it in a special provision there that a single mother now can pass on their citizenship to the children without any problem at all despite this success the struggle for equality for women to be able to pass on nationality in nepal is far from over says deepti Single mothers still face discrimination in practice she says and those married to foreign nationals face major hurdles. I tell my uh, fellow campaigners that there's no alternative to victory from any angle any point of view. There's if there's no victory that means we still needs to keep on going until and unless the day the point the moment we can say like this is a real victory till that time this will campaign whether with or without me today i am alive tomorrow i don't know but with or without me this campaign must go on this needs to be not only in nepal but has to be spreaded all over the world everywhere there has been a discrimination for such kind of stupid thing this has to be abolished for sure and what of neha we heard earlier that her dreams of becoming a doctor were thwarted as she was stateless A long legal battle was eventually won and she now has her citizenship. And instead of becoming a doctor, she's now working on being a lawyer to help others like herself. Uh after uh, my mo- mother with the help of a lawyer Mira Kumar Dungana and other lawyers together filed a writ petition in Supreme Court. It took us about 2 years just to file in Supreme Court until then um for a, for a government or for a court officials for the judges for the court two years maybe may not be a very long time but for me as a student as as a person two years was a long time and i had just finished my 11 and 12 studying science and then i really wanted to pursue a career so to you two years losing uh, lo- losing two years and not studying or not doing anything was a 
long time for me so meera kumari dungana uh, who is a lawyer and i and i also call her my godmother because she's the one who advised suggested me that uh, what if you could since i was really sad i couldn't pursue a career in medicine so she said what if you couldn't wear a white coat and treat the patients you could wear a wh- black coat um and treat the sick uh, society that you're living in you you could be a lawyer or study uh, or pursue a career in law so that was a time i really thought upon it and a very uh, turning moment turning point in my life for deepthi the struggle for equality should not just be limited to nepal asked for a final thought this is what she says this whole earth this whole globe is our home this is our earth we all belong here we're just been divided by this imaginary borders only because of that we are far away from each and each other let's remove that and see like you know we all are humans after all or nationals or nationalistic whatever behavior patriotism this all comes somewhere at the end of everything else but first and foremost the humanity i think that's the fo- first and foremost thing that we all can be united for and i'd like to request and i'd like to join my hands and plead that please uh, any institution any activist that you have come across who's fighting for gender equality especially on nationality rights for children please support them as much as you can if you don't if you haven't understood the issue please try to at least aware yourself thank you very much deepthi gurung from the citizenship affected peoples network in nepal we also heard from her daughter neha who is now campaigning with her Neha's story is the inspiration for an Institute on Statelessness and Inclusion book, The Girl Who Lost Her Country. It aims to explain childhood statelessness to children. The book is available at kids.worldsstateless.org. kids.worldsstateless.org. There's a link in the show notes. Earlier in the podcast, we also heard from Catherine Harrington, the campaign manager for the Global Campaign for Equal Nationality Rights. And if you want to learn more about childhood statelessness and how you can help eradicate it, you can go to our website, institutesi.org, institutesi.org. There's also a link for that one in the show notes too. There are a variety of resources on the website, including a technical guide on childhood statelessness and the child's right to a nationality, which unpacks the challenges in more detail and provides information on relevant international standards and good practices. Coming up in the podcast series, we have more country studies with podcasts on the challenges of tackling childhood statelessness under the Syrian refugee population in Lebanon and one looking at the use of strategic litigation in South Africa. We'd love to get as much feedback on the series as possible, so please spread the word and share the What Works Best for Children's Nationality podcast on social media using our hashtags hashtag #nationalityforchildren or hashtag #forinclusivesocieties. Hashtag #nationalityforchildren or hashtag #forinclusivesocieties. And our Twitter handle is at institute underscore si at institute underscore si. And from me, Andy Clark. Thanks for listening.